Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Welcome into a brand new episode of Blue Jays Nation Radio, available wherever you get your podcast from and on BlueJaysNation.com. I'm Tyler Uremchuk. He is Cam Lewis. Only a couple more of these bad boys until we are officially at the All-Star break. But once again, Cam, we sit here on a podcast and talk about a disappointing series for the Jays. They win game one against Seattle. They drop two in a row to close things out. Uh, a bit of a missed opportunity here, I think, is the best way to sum up the, the series. Now I feel like a bit of a donkey because I said last time that I was disappointed taking three of four from Baltimore. Yeah. So now I'm extremely disappointed taking one of three from the Seattle Mariners. This is again, one of those opponents we had circled on the calendar as part of the easy stretch and the blue Jays did not make them look like an easy opponent. Yeah. Made them yeah. look quite good actually. And somehow the Mariners, even though we will continue to call them frauds, uh, they continue to find ways to win ball games. They're now four and a half out of the wild card. The Jays oh. are five games out of the wild card. So it's not insurmountable. This is not like they're 10 out right now. And we're sitting here going, well, it's a miracle for them to make it. Like if they start playing some good ball, they're going to get themselves back into this race, potentially before the all-star break even. And, and we'll get into that a little bit later on as we set up the upcoming series against Tampa Bay. Uh, but until then, let's get into three up, three down brought to you by Twig and Berries. It's twigandberries.ca. That promo code is Nation15, gets you 15% off. Since they dropped two out of the three, we will start with the bads. And one really surprising down continues to be this way, and it's Hunjin Ryu, another really, really tough start for the Jays' ace, who you are now no longer calling the Jays' ace. I'm not. I said uh, I said a while ago that Robbie Ray is now the Jays' ace, and I don't think I'm wrong. I, uh, <laughs> it's partially because Ray had been so good, so even mm-hmm. when Ryu was good, you know, I still thought, I was still starting to think that Ray was the guy. But now that Ryu seems to have fallen off a bit of a cliff, there's no doubt in my mind that Ray's the guy. So I think I was right there, and you owe me an apology for saying I was wrong. I mean, maybe we'll talk closer to the end of the season here, but it's it's certainly concerning with with uh, with Ryu because let's go back through his months here. He appeared in five games in April, 27 and two-thirds inning. He had an ERA of 2.6. Really good numbers. In May, he appeared in five games, pitched just over 30 innings, 2.64 ERA. That's really good. And something happened in June. He appeared in five games, pitched 31 in the third, and he has a 4.88 ERA. You look at all his numbers and everything is pretty much doubled or the good stats have been cut in half. He, he only had 14 strikeouts in 31 innings in June. 
he was over or close to a strikeout an inning in April and May. His hits allowed in those months are completely different. What what can you pinpoint here? It, it, to me, it's control. He, he's lost his ability to be really precise with his, with his changeup. His cutter's not as effective. And when you're a guy who doesn't throw at 100 miles an hour, if you're missing by a little bit, that can hurt you a lot. Yeah, when you're a finesse pitcher, you have virtually zero room for error, obviously. I mean, Ryu pitches, you know, 92, 91, 90, 89, that kind of thing. And when you lose a mile per hour velocity on that and, you know, there's just no room for error. So guys are going to start teeing off on those things. And that's pretty much what's happened. Like look at his strikeouts in that month of June, you mentioned there's start against Houston, one strikeout, start against the white Sox, three start against the Yankees, three strikeouts against Baltimore four. And that Baltimore was the good start. That's the one where he only allowed one run in, in seven innings, still only, you know, four strikeouts and the Orioles suck too. So, and then the Orioles again, three strikeouts and then again, Seattle two. So it's like, I wonder if there's like a nagging injury or something going on. Ryu's had back problems in the past. Um, that's what we saw when, you know, he had rough starts in the past with the Dodgers. It was kind of a, a, a nagging thing he dealt with. There's also another thing that I've seen people talk about is that Danny Jansen's kind of his Josh Tholey and he's missing not having Jansen. I don't know. That seems like a bit of a stretch because I think Reese McGuire is a pretty strong defensive catcher slash game caller. So I don't know if that would be it, but it's something to think about. So could be something, yeah. but if you're paying a guy, you know, $20 million yeah. to be at the top of your rotation, you would certainly hope that just because his personal catcher isn't there, the numbers don't get this bad, right? right? Like right. If, it, if it was one bad start, cause he was adjusting to not having Jansen and then he sort of mm-hmm. bounced back to a respectable level. Then I might be like, ah, okay. Like I'll cut him some slack, but right now uh, they, they need more from him. And, and they're for sure. For sure. And it, you you look back at the times where a, where a start from Ryu was basically an auto win where you knew you were going to get, you know, you're only going to give up two, three runs and the offense would take care of the rest. But it certainly hasn't been the case recently. Uh, the, also, the start they got from Steven Matz and his return from COVID was not good. He couldn't get out of the third inning, allowing four earned runs in two and two thirds inning. Uh, he wasn't great before he got COVID. And now I'm worried that that this is another significant step back for him. Yeah, Mats has really been all over the grid this season. So you have this most recent recent start in Seattle. He does two and two-thirds innings, five hits, no walks, four and runs, the home run. Um, his start before that, before I went on the COVID aisle back in June, on, on June the 12th, was against the Red Sox, and he was quite good. Five, five and two-thirds, only one earned run, struck out eight guys. And then, again, before that, against Houston, bad four and runs in four innings. And it's just been like this back and forth roller coaster ride with this guy. Like he hasn't put together back to back good starts since I don't know, April when we thought that he had figured it out. And now it's kind of at a point where it's like, all right, like the Jays need Matt's to be in the rotation because they need guys logging innings because the bullpen has been so bad. But again, it's now there's two guys with, with, with him and Ryu who are both struggling at the same time. And it's like, geez, the rotation that we thought was now starting to look quite good that Ross Stripling has figured his stuff out. Now Noah's come up and he's been, you know, fine is now maybe not looking that good. So now we're probably going to have to start talking again about acquiring a starting pitcher because I, I think pretty much the key for the deadline is okay. What is Steven Matz? Is he legit? Is he bad? Is, you know, something in the middle, if he's bad, then they probably have to go out and get a starter. Yeah, and I mean, you wonder what a guy like Mats could do out of the bullpen because if he can't give you a couple innings of relief out of the bullpen, then 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 you're 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 looking at a guy who like 
are you taking Steven Matz off your roster if he doesn't turn it around? I like to think that maybe he could be a replacement for someone like Trent Thornton, who clearly is not looking like a major league pitcher right now. And that kind of ties into our third point here. Uh, we were going to talk about uh, Tyler Chatwood mainly, who again, in two thirds of an inning, gave up two hits and two runs and walked two batters on top of that. Ugly, ugly performance from Chatwood. Thornton the night before was certainly not great either. Again, usual shit from the bullpen, right? Bullpen, yeah. I mean, what is there even to say at this point? Yeah. Like, it was uh, again another really unfortunate one to see. Is Patrick Murphy taking like a hanging a yeah. big L on him? He only got one out, allowed two earned runs, allowed a dinger. Now his ERA is up to eight point four four, and it's like that's a shame because he was good last year and he was somebody who we all kind of thought, you know, he was injured back in spring training. He was one of those potential saviors who was coming back and that has not happened. So, I mean, at this point, the only reliable reliever in the blue Jays bullpen is Jordan Romano. And that's really it. I mean, the bullpen didn't necessarily really cost them much in this series. I don't think, well, I guess the second game it was, if they had better relief pitching, they, you know, might've pulled out the W in the extra innings there, but you know, in the third game, the Ryu game, there was a chance for the bullpen to blow it. So it's not like a huge down for the series, but it was just like, Again, unshocking, mediocre relief pitching. There hasn't been like any reason to get excited about the bullpen turning things around. Uh, the one, maybe it's a positive, Simber, who we haven't talked about yet because yes. the trade happened right after our last episode was released. Uh, he looked pretty good. He pitched he one did. and a third. He got a strikeout, only allowed one hit. Maybe that's a guy the Jays, the Jays have found. Maybe he can be... You know, maybe this is setting the bar too high, but Jason Grilly of this year, right? The guy they got early and he comes in and can just give them honest inning after honest inning. Yeah, that's all. You you really need someone here to kind of bridge the gap in your fifth, sixth, seventh innings is kind of what I find the Blue Jays really lack. Well, I mean, Jesus Christ, they lack fucking relief pitching in every situation except yeah. for when Romano is pitching. But what the Jays have is with Matt's, Ray, and Ryu, they have three lefty starters, which isn't necessarily a standard thing for a starting rotation. So when you're facing a lineup that's maybe righty heavy, then it's nice to have this guy come in and just be, you know, a ground ball machine who can come in in the sixth inning when there's two guys on and get a double play. Like that's a, a just a, like a, like a great addition to the bullpen. Like, and it's shocking. The fucking Marlins just gave him away for nothing. It was kind of a really weird trade, to be honest with you, Joe panic going back the other way. I'm not really sure why they were interested in that. And then the prospect that Toronto gave up was, I think, like a former 37th round pick or yeah. something like that, like 25 years old double A. The, the reason I was encouraged by how that trade went down is Toronto basically just flexed their financial muscles a yeah. little, like slightly. But they showed that, like, hey, we'll invest in this year's team. And, and basically all they had to do was pay money. And they ended up getting not just Simber, but they I get wonder. Dickerson as well. That's, yeah, that's another interesting one is we haven't even really, really thought about Dickerson at all. Like he's injured and it's like, what, well, I wouldn't really know when this guy's going to come back, but that could also be an interesting add to the team. Like kind of a biggish lefty bat, like, but it's kind of hard to say like whether he's yeah. going to be any good, but honestly, this trade's all about getting some, yeah, that's kind of the thing is the Jays need a lefty bat. Like good Lord, Rowdy yeah. Tellez turned into a pumpkin this year. Kevin Biggio is Kevin Biggio. Yeah. <laughs> There's really no lefty bat in the mix. So. Christ, if Corey Dickerson can come back and hit in any capacity, then that's such a game changer. Yeah, it is. And I, I personally wonder too, because he's mainly an outfielder. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that changes how they could make a big splash somewhere throughout their lineup. Like, are they more, if Springer has been healthy for X amount of games, are they more inclined to like move a Grichuk 
now that they have Dickerson and if Dickerson's going to be healthy and they sit there and go, okay, like we know we can use him as a lefty bat in the corner spots. We have Springer who should be playing every day. I wonder if maybe they'd move out an outfielder who maybe has some value in the name that jumps off the page would obviously be Grichuk, um, who we know they were interested or, or thinking of moving in the off season. Let's uh, let's switch gears here and go to the up as we try to drum up some optimism here. Uh, great, <laughs> a great series again for Marcus Semyon, who I think picked up multiple hits in every single game except game two, where he walked twice and picked up a hit as well. But another great series from a guy who the Jays scooped up on a one-year deal, kind of like a show me what you got thing. And he's printing money at this point. Like his he next is. deal is going to be huge. He's going to get, he's going to get a huge amount of cash. I am getting to the point now where I'd be pretty shocked if he was back again next year. Yeah. Like the Jays will offer him his qualifying offer. You know, he'll decline and go and sign a five-year, hundred million dollar deal somewhere out West. I'm guessing like even probably like the fucking angels or something will throw cash at him. Like they do with somebody every single off season. And then they'll, you know, miss the playoffs by 15 games, which is, you know, kind of a hilarious thing, but yeah, Marcus Semyon, like, what can you say? He's been fantastic, but yeah, got himself voted into the all-star game as the starting second baseman. Like, yeah. I don't know if any of us saw this coming when they signed him in the off season. I know there was, it was so completely overshadowed by George Springer that it was like, Oh, Marcus Semyon's coming in. He might be okay. Yeah. And turns out that he's like putting together like an MVP vote getting season, which is fucking insane. It's fantastic to see there's for as much that has gone wrong for this Jays team. Some of the things that have gone right have been tremendous. And Semyon certainly one of them. Uh, Bo Bichette with a solid series against the Mariners as well. He scooped up a couple of multi-hit performances. And again, like it, it has the makings of this perfectly oiled machine. That is Semyon getting on base, providing some power at the top of the order. Bichette consistently getting on base and Vlad having a historic season. Bichette's a key, key part of the top of that order, but he was great again against Seattle. He was, but he did not earn himself a starting all-star nod. No. And I'm sure he's very disappointed to be so sad. One of, yeah, one of the players who didn't have that happen. But yeah, like you said, like the, the lineup really has been quite insane. I mean, in my opinion, I think it might be stronger than the 2015 lineup, which is really saying something. So it yeah. would be a real damn shame if the pitching blew this whole season. So let's hope that they find a bullpen and can patch it together because it would really suck to see all this go to waste. Jonah Bierenbaum sent out a tweet about how insane it is that a team has three guys starting in the all-star game and mm -hmm. only has a 30 to 40% chance of making the postseason. Uh, but our third up is the fact that three Jays are going to be starting for the American League. It's Semyon, it's Vlad, and it's Teoscar Hernandez. And he's he's the feel-good. Like, Vladdy is yes. a feel-good thing, obviously. But Teoscar specifically, a guy who we remember when he was sent back to AAA, people wondering if he'd ever kind of cut it as a major league hitter. For him to be an all-star, he always looks like he's having a blast on the field. He's a real, real easy guy to root for. This is great to see. It's it's pretty funny to go back and look at the whole stretch of trades and how they managed to turn Drew Hutchison into Teoscar Hernandez over the span of like a couple of years. So like they have Drew Hutchison and they trade him over to Pittsburgh to get Liriano, in which they also get the two prospects, Reese McGuire and um, Harold, Harold Ramirez. So the reason the Pirates do that is because they're broke as fuck and they just want to get rid of Liriano's money. So they take on Liriano. Liriano goes ahead and wins the All-Star, not the All-Star game, sorry, the wild card game for them that year yeah. over Baltimore. And then the next year, even when Liriano's bad, they trade him for Nori Aoki and Teoscar Hernandez. And your average Jays fan was like, oh, they got Nori Aoki. That's kind of interesting. But it was like, no, they bought Nori Aoki 
and took on a shitty contract so they could get this Hernandez guy. Now here we are a few years later, he's a fucking all-star starter. That's incredible. I mean, it'll be interesting to see come off season time. I mean, he's only, I think, a couple years of control away from free agency. It'll be interesting to see if Teoscar gets a big long-term contract with the Jays. Like, surely by now he's proved enough that he's good. He's not, yeah. this is not just a hot streak. He's been good for, you know, he was good all of last year. He got MVP votes. He's been good this year. He was good the second half of 2019 after he went down and fixed his swing. Like, he's good. No doubt. Yeah, he's already 28 years old. Um, I, I wonder what sort of like a five, six year deal for Tay Oscar would have to look like this offseason. But like you said, he's proven himself now. He's a middle of the order power bat that is, is a really nice asset to have behind the likes of Guerrero and Springer and whoever else is there. He, he just gives you that little bit of insurance and guys are or teams will be less inclined to want to pitch around Vladdy if they know there's another all-star bat sitting right behind him. And Teoscar's done that to a T this year when he's been in the lineup. Uh, that's three up, three down presented by Twig and Berries. Twigandberries.ca, free shipping in Canada on orders $75 or more. Uh, we dig into worth mentioning now. This stretch of games for the Jays, we talked about a lot throughout the season. It was supposed to be the run against bad teams that they were going to really, really take advantage of. They end up going eight and four in that stretch, which by no means is bad. Like eight and four is more than acceptable, but still considering how the start of the year went, considering how we were sitting here and really banking on this stretch of games to be a run where they could catapult themselves back into the, you know, serious wildcard mix where they're a game or two out. You would have loved to see 10 and two, but kind of sums up the J season as a whole where it's hard to complain, but it left you wanting more. Yeah, it's just ultimately wins, loss on the table. Like losing two of three to Seattle is unfortunate. Like yeah. these are the teams that you have to beat because it appears at this point that you can't beat Houston. You can't beat the White Sox. So you got to go and beat these teams. You got to beat the shit out of them. And, you know, there really isn't any room for error. And it feels insane to complain about going eight and four in a run of 12 games because, you know, that's that's good. Right. But it's yeah. not. It's, it's really not that good. Like you want to go 10 and two in this stretch to compensate for the fact that, you know, you got swept by the Yankees and you, you know, lost two or three to the um, Astros and the White Sox. But I mean, all in all, it was okay. It was mediocre. It just wasn't enough, but I guess we will see in the next coming couple of series, because they play Tampa Bay twice, if this team is legit and if they will be in the mix after the all-star break. We're going to set up that series against Tampa Bay in just a second here. Uh, but first, some notes from the catcher position. Uh, on the positive side, when it comes to health news, Jansen and Kirk are getting close to being ready to return. That's going to create some interesting decisions for the Blue Jays front office and for Charlie Montoyo. But uh, Jansen and Kirk back. What, what's your best read on how things will break down? Like Adams obviously going back down to AAA. Yeah. That's fair to assume. And are they going to roll with three catchers? I don't know. That's a really hard one because I, I don't think you can leave Danny Jansen down. Like we talked about it a minute ago. It's kind of, it's not ideal that Hyunjin Ryu has a personal catcher, but he does. Jansen catches Kirk very well. And that could make Ryu a little bit better. I don't think it's the root of all of his problems. I think there's something else going on, but you know, any, any, anything helps at this point. He's, he's down bad. So give him his personal catcher back. You're not going to leave fucking Jansen in AAA, but then you have Kirk in AAA. Like what, 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 what's Point Kirk going to accomplish in AAA? I mean, uh, just given the way their roster is comprised right now, it's kind of difficult to imagine all three of them being on the team. Like you don't want to DFA McGuire. There's no way he's going through waivers again. No. Given the way he's played recently, like 
someone's taking a gamble. Someone's going to take them. It is what it is. Um, Kirk being on the roster and sitting on the bench a bunch and DHing a bunch is not, not easy great. because no, because you need George Springer DHing quite a bit. You want guys having off days to DH, so that's not ideal. Otherwise, you're you know using him in a pinch hitting capacity. I don't know. This is not a super easy problem. I'm kind of maybe leaning towards Kirk getting a little bit more time in AAA because we to remember this guy is super fucking young and skipped basically the entire minor league. So yeah. is giving him a little go in AAA that big of a deal? Maybe not. No, you can give him a couple extra weeks. And what it could do is just give you or buy you a little bit of time to trade Reese McGuire, which I think is going to be the ultimate resolution here. He's hitting well. You maybe don't even want to lose him at this point, but you can run with Kirk and Jansen and be in a good spot. And if there is a team out there that is willing to give you a solid veteran reliever and, and they're going to take a gamble on Reese McGuire, I think you kind of just need to bite the bullet and part with them because a, it's a matter of time till you got to trade him anyways. And if you can flip him to address a position of need right now, I think that's the way it's going to go. I think it's going to yeah. be McGuire flipped for a reliever and, and they're going to move on and go back to having Kirk and Jansen kind of platoon at that position. That'd but be ideal. McGuire's not getting you a guy like Richard Rodriguez in, no. uh, in Pittsburgh. He's going to go for a lot more. But what's concerning with me about him is I, I saw some people on Twitter talking about the spin rate. And since the ban on sticky stuff came in, Rodriguez is one of those guys that's been really affected. His spin rate has plummeted and he's also allowed runs now in five of his last 11 outings. I think it is um, trading for a reliever at this moment when so many guys are going through bad stretches because they can't, you know, use, even if it may, might not have been spider tack, right? Like their usual way of getting grips on the ball, they have to reevaluate. Trading for a reliever is going to be absolute voodoo right now. And I put Rodriguez in that circle, even though he's been, you know, a quality reliever for a few years. Yeah, it was, uh, it was Josh Housen that tweeted the uh, chart of Rodriguez's spin rate. And it just kind of, his slider specifically just plummets all the way down beginning on um, June the 20th, which is kind of when the crackdown started. I think it was, I think they officially began that on the 22nd. So since the official crackdown has come in, he's had three outings. Uh, there was the 22nd, he picked up a save. He was fine. One inning, one strikeout, nothing next game out three days later, one inning, two strikeouts, fine. But then there was, um, Thursday just recently, he got absolutely pounded by the Brewers. It was one inning, four hits and three earned runs. And that was far and away his worst outing of the season. It's also like, okay, why is this guy only pitched like three times in the last week and a half when he's usually somebody who pitches, you know, most games. So Another thing to kind of think about there, but yeah, like you said, like training for guys right now is going to be fucking weird because who knows who's good and who's bad anymore. Like we really have no idea. It's a total toss up. Every time anyone has a bad outing now, we're like, uh Oh, it's because the sticky stuff. Like I've, I've seen people question that with Ryu as well. And that's yeah. something we kind of forgot to mention a minute ago was, <laughs> is there something with that? Like who the fuck knows? It's such is total voodoo at this point. Yeah. It's, it's absolute. It's, it's an absolute guessing game on top of that. Um, one more footnote here, uh, Austin Martin will represent the Toronto Blue Jays at the MLB futures game. Uh, that's exciting to see no Gabe Mourinho though, but that's because of an injury. So he's going to be sidelined for a few weeks here, but he was having a tremendous season, hopefully nothing too serious. Uh, but if you're wondering why you won't see Mourinho at the futures game, uh, you'll, you will see Martin who, I mean, he could be in this lineup next year. So there's at least a reason to watch and pay attention, but no Mourinho cause he is hurt. 
Uh, Let's move on then. Set up three against the Tampa Bay Rays right now. When you look at the wildcard standings in the American League, the Rays hold that top wildcard spot. The Jays are, what are they, five and a half games back of the Rays for that one spot? Or sorry, just five games back of the Rays for that spot. Uh, This is a big stretch here. You want to talk about, you know, kind of stunning us a little bit and really throwing yourself right back in the mix. Doing some damage against the Tampa Bay Rays will do exactly that in this three-game set. Yeah, pretty much. So they're playing the Rays here. So it's three against Tampa in Buffalo, and then it's three in Baltimore against the Orioles. So easy opponent you have to capitalize on. And then three more in Tampa against the Rays before the All-Star break. So it's nine games left. Six of these are like very key head-to-heads. You have to win in order to make up ground. And right in the middle is, again, the tailor-made easy fucking series. We've seen the Orioles and other dogs. Shit, it is what it is. You have to go in this nine-game stretch, like at worst, six and three. Yeah. And you have to do more than break even against Tampa. You have to go four and two against Tampa and pick some ground up on them. That's like pretty much the bare minimum. If If you do a mediocre stretch here and lose both series to Tampa or something like that, and then you know, roll into the all-star break six, seven games back of the race, then eh, it's not easy to come back from that. I don't think this is going to drastically change how they handle the trade deadline. Yes. Cause like you said, if you roll into the all-star break and you swept the O's and you went four and two against the Rays, and it's like, Holy shit, seven and two in this stretch, you're right back in the thick of it. At that point, you know, maybe you're two games back at Tampa Bay, like you're rolling, you're feeling good. And maybe this front office is doing something significant in a hurry. If you drop four out of the six against Tampa and you're seven back of them heading into the all-star break, then all of a sudden you're looking at the schedule after going, all right, there's seven games against the Red Sox where we'd have to go like six and one to get ourselves back into this before the deadline. So it's a crucial stretch of baseball here for the Toronto Blue Jays. Luckily for them, The Rays are not playing great ball over the last sort of three weeks. And let me take you back through that three weeks. And it started with a six game losing streak. That was two against the White Sox and four against the Seattle Mariners. Sorry, seven game losing streak because they lost the first game to the Red Sox in that next series as well. Then it looked like they figured it out a little. They won four in a row. They beat the Bo Sox twice. They beat the Angels twice. But now they're on a three game slide again and they're four and six in their last 10. They have a bunch of key injuries as well. They don't have their ace Tyler Glass now available. There's a lot of reasons to think the Jays, the Jays can do some damage here. And then the Rays are at a spot where, you know, if, if you're going to play them, this is when you want to play a team when they're struggling. Yeah, it's a prime time for the Jays to capitalize. You know, six games against the Rays with some injuries. They're pretty cold right now. They're not doing their best. I mean, Again, like it coincides with the sticky stuff thing, right? Like Lord knows how many pitchers on the Rays, you know, use that or it's important to them. Like, you know, they have raised a million good pitchers. So you never know, like maybe some guys were overachieving because of that. And now they're going to crash down. Uh, The other thing here is that the middle three games, the Rays play between their two Toronto series is against Cleveland, who's decent. So if the Jays go and, you know, do a sweep on Baltimore and the Rays lose two to Cleveland, then again, it's another opportunity to make up some ground. So this is, this really is like a season defining stretch here. This nine games. It's like, it, it kind of tells you if this, this Jays team is a playoff contender or not. The Jays are going to be throwing two righties at Tampa Bay in uh, Alec Manoa in the series opener. And then Ross Stripling 
in game two. And in the last 30 days, the Rays rank 22nd in OPS against right-handed pitching. Uh, the Jays are going to finish off the series with Robbie Ray getting yes. a start. Yes, the ace of the staff, as Coombsy calls him. And the Rays are also 22nd in OPS against lefties in the last 30 days as well. So a lineup that is not particularly hitting well. I like the Manoa start. Stripling has been nothing but solid for the Jays as of late. And Robbie Ray's their guy. Like, again, there are things lining up to this being a very, very good series for the Toronto Blue Jays. But I've said that and been wrong a handful of times, so maybe I should shut up. We say that all the time, and we always say this one thing, too. We're hoping for two out of three. We're going to be disappointed if it doesn't happen. So yeah. we're setting ourselves up to perhaps feel a little bit down, but that's the thing about baseball is there's always optimism. Right? right? Setting ourselves up to be disappointed could be the tagline for Blue Jays Nation Radio. That could be our little yes. slogan underneath. Um, Coombsy, you keep well in this heat wave. You keep all your fans running. You stay cool, and you enjoy the ball games. Hopefully, it's the Jays heating up, though. Hopefully, it is. Hopefully, it's the... Jay's getting nice and hot and we're all sitting there. I don't know. I can't think of anything funny to say. We're all just sitting there. Ah, fuck. Hopefully there's no, no raised bullshit. Fuck that. Just win two out of three games. And we'll be happy. Episode 26 of Blue Jays Nation Radio is coming to an end. Shout out to our friends at Twig and Barry. Shout out to you for tuning in. If you have a second, leave us a review. Leave us five stars. Would greatly appreciate that. Enjoy the series, Jays fans. We'll talk again after the weekend. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 